Hello and welcome to Triforce Trends, the podcast where I talk about all things Zelda. If you enjoy the content, please support me by subscribing to the show on whichever app you're listening on. And please don't forget to check out the YouTube channel by searching Triforce Trends. Many of us in the Zelda community have played one of the critically acclaimed 3D games, as you may have gathered through this intro or the title I'm talking about, The Wind Waker. A game in which Link is partnered up with Tetra's pirate crew. Even while searching for treasure, the adventure can sometimes lead you to feeling like you're a halfway step there to a true Zelda pirate voyage. And while I do think Wind Waker is an excellent game, with almost everything it introduced doing many things right, I also think there was some room for improvement in what we're going to talk about today. So, while I was relaxing and playing Wind Waker, just sailing around, meandering, going about my own business, I got to thinking, what if Zelda went full swing into a pirating adventure and really ran with the idea? So, I hopped onto Discord as fast as I could and shot the one person that I knew could help with this video, a message. So, here he is. Ahoy there, my name is the Bread Pirate, but everybody calls me Bread. Usually I make videos about Zelda history, trivia, and game mechanics, but Trends was kind enough to invite me for a round of good old speculation. So together with Brad, we've taken an extensive look into some extremely pirate-like and whimsical things that you'll be able to enjoy in this here video. I'd like to think that this video is less so things that we'd expect for Pirate Zelda games ever announced, but I think it's more of our general hope, since we've gone absolutely overboard on some of these ideas. But without further ado, Brad, take it away. From hot-tempered pirates to clumsy crewmates and talkative fish, these are the things which make a world feel alive, and it's why every single Zelda game has featured NPCs also known as non-player characters. They could be anything from a common farmer to a powerful king, or in the case of a pirate-themed Zelda game, a nerdy sailor or a suave captain. Thankfully, the job of finding pirate-themed NPCs is largely done for us. Many past Zelda characters would fit perfectly into this type of world, such as sailors, merchants, fish people, skeletal crews, microscopic stowaways, monkey islanders, talking parrots, and even mermaids. The same thing goes for enemies. The Zelda series has had a slew of cool monsters in the past which would fit perfectly into a pirate adventure. This could include bands of Gerudo pirates, sea monsters, bombfish, scurvy bacoblins, ghost ships, and steampunk robot captains. The only limiting factor in what we could include in this game is our imagination. A pirate-themed Zelda game could easily have the most memorable characters and adversaries in the series. But going hand-in-hand -hand with these characters are the problems they face. Conflict makes a game interesting and yields opportunities for side quests. Of course, side quests are some of the most important parts of any Zelda game without a shadow of a doubt. That has been evident ever since the likes of Majora's Mask, and with characters that aren't two-dimensional personality-wise, you have to wonder exactly what kind of side quest you could do, and along with that, how you're rewarded for doing the side quest. So here's my vision. Along this vast ocean of islands, there has to be taverns in Kakariko Village, or places where only the most fearless pirates can dwell, that rest on some of the more quiet, haven-like islands. I can see a pirate with a peg leg talking to Link. Hey up matey, I was sailing near your Picander Island, and my boat started to leak. Thank me lord that a piece of the boat floated me to shore, but me parrot Patchy is still there. I searched and searched, but a band of pirates like myself showed up to save me before I found them. Could you go looking for me, parrot? Link could say yes or no to the quest, though of course you're never obliged to do one of these quests, but you are given quite the reward and incentive for doing so. Of course, with so many sailors roaming around the seas, they have to be able to do something, and here, if you complete a quest for them, then they'll end up being your mate on the ship. The more quests you do, the more of a crew you have. Recruiting these pirates to the crew would prove beneficial, as you may be under fire later on in the game. 
and you can't man the wheel and also shoot the cannons at the same time. You need your crew to do such a thing. Now I can see this going one of two ways. Either there's a set side quest and appearance of a pirate every single time you go to the locations that they stem from, and like these could have their own little backstories and the like. Or the other way I can see this going is perhaps randomizing certain appearances for each pirate and also randomizing side quests, similar to how voyages are randomized in Sea of Thieves. Perhaps this is slightly more ambitious and would take away from the story that the game has, but it'd certainly make the game more replayable just to see the wacky characters that the randomness generates. The side quests don't all have to be fetch quests though, sometimes you may be tasked with finding a treasure marked on a map, solving a riddle, or even just taking things from point A to point B like a merchant would. Congratulations with your very own side quests, you're on your way to adventure! All you need now are some tools to complete said adventures. Obviously, you'll have your classic shields, bows and bombs, but on top of that, you'll have a wide array of pirate themed equipment as well, such as dual wielding swords, crossbows, boarding axes, shovels, Probably an accordion, a lantern, fishing rods, and a magic compass which works like a Sheikah sensor. There would be many clothing options, each of them granting special effects. Consider a pair of boots which lets you walk on water for a short period of time. Or an eye patch which changes your vision, letting you see hidden rupee stashes. And let's not forget about food. Everybody loves that. Coconuts would be plentiful, hardtack would be hard, and alcoholic milk would be accessible from your local milk tavern. There would even be sushi if you're willing to slay the sea monsters necessary for cooking it. You might have noticed though, we haven't talked about flintlocks, the weapon of choice for most pirates during the golden age of piracy. Me and Trends don't think it fits into a Zelda game. Cannons? Sure. Guns? Ah, no. And for anyone that says, but cannons and guns are the same thing, let me remind you that guns were invented 300 years after cannons were invented. For that matter, the earliest guns were just small cannons which still required matches to be fired. So yeah, we're, we're not including them. Island exploration. No doubt one of the most important things to get right when you set sail on making a brand new pirate adventure. It's said that Wind Wake has one of the coolest open worlds in the series, and while I do agree, especially for the year it came out, I think that a Pirate Zelda that would come out nowadays would do just about everything right. Or at least right in my mind. Now what's the most important bit of the open world in a pirate game? Sailing and the islands that surround you while sailing. Now a lot of what I'm going to say here will be very far-fetched, but I don't think it'll be out of the question as Nintendo's hardware gets closer to the likes of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X in the future. Wind Waker's islands were mostly very small. You had the very odd few that were used in much greater capacity, such as Outset Island, Windfall, Forest Haven, Dragon Roost, Tower of the Gods, and so on. But most of the time, if you were sailing around Wind Waker's world, you were spotting very small islands. Now, of course, you have to keep in mind that Wind Waker was first developed for the Nintendo GameCube, which could handle considerably less than a system nowadays can. So whilst I do think that this new pirate game should have a ton of these smaller islands, I also think that it should have at least two or three islands that could all be equal size to a region in Breath of the Wild. Which sounds crazy big when you think about it, especially when you bring in the fact that the world needs at least a good amount of ocean to really label it a pirate Zelda game, and not just a Zelda game with some tacked on mechanics. But as much as I don't want to be, I'm going to be slightly unrealistic here, and imagine some of the islands are like pebbles in the ocean. And there are a few regions that are all of a good size proportion to Breath of the Wild's map. Each of these islands has to also have a sort of government or, you know, system like that if people are really going to enjoy living on each of them. Which also means that there's probably a hierarchy, so you can talk to kings of each island and learn a bit more about them, and how this has all happened to Hyrule. Now before I talk about dungeons, since I could go on and on about them, let's talk about a couple concepts for smaller islands. I think a lot of these smaller islands could function very similarly to shrines, and once you complete these shrine-like puzzles, 
you'll be rewarded with pieces of heart. FYI, as much as I love spirit orbs, I think heart pieces would work a lot more in this context. So there could be an island similar to something that we saw in Majora's Mask, a turtleback island. A huge turtle that roams around the Hylian Ocean to random places. What would its actual function be for the player? Well, I don't think there actually would be one. If anything, I could see this just being a fun ploy for the players so they could see how it feels to stand atop a giant turtle while they make their way down the ocean. Now to get on to my favourite part of most Zelda games, the dungeons. The first dungeon that I could see coming to the table would be one that could be seen as very random as you could run through at any time in the game. Think Jabu Jabu's Belly, but it's not an escort mission and it isn't as small in scope. So basically way better. And inside of the belly of a truly giant entity, way bigger than Jabu Jabu visually, more akin to the size of a couple whales, together. And of course, this would eat your ship from below. Now before I go into a tangent about this dungeon in itself, I must move on. But I do imagine the dungeon being mostly about how you use your ship with some tight sailing segments. And just getting in and out the ship to progress through the whale's stomach acid, while it would be disgusting, it'd also be a ton of fun to run through. With regards to the on-island dungeons, I'd expect them to be very much open format, and I'd also expect that you aren't told exactly where they are. Maybe some hints are around, but for the most part, you're encouraged to either just explore every island to find the main dungeons, or you're given very small hints throughout the game, just to keep that sense of exploration running throughout the game. For the most part, I think dungeons would be clouded in mystery visually, and would mostly be ruins, so you can explore the world at your very own pace. And you can also come back anytime you need to by pinning the location on your map. Overall, there's way more I could say about the island exploration and dungeons in general, formulating deep analytical dives on each dungeon I like but I can't do it justice. So there's the island exploration that I would hope for. But how will we get to the islands? Will this help us get to the islands? Ah. Will this help us get to the islands? Ah. Will this help us get to the islands? Hooray! Lohesimos, we did it! Yay! The livelihood of every sailor is their ship. Obviously, there will be lots of these, and each ship will fit into two categories, which we're going to be calling boats and ships. Boats are small, unclaimed vessels, which the player can find on beaches, rivers, and adrift at sea. These include canoes, rafts, sailing dinghies, and rowboats. They would be designed for crossing small bodies of water and sailing between one or two islands. But to sail further than that would take forever in one of these. That's where ships come in. These would be large vessels purchased at your local shipyard and customized to your heart's content. They would be perfect for crossing large distances and getting into naval battles with scurvy pacoblins. For defenses, they'd have cannons, catapults, and grappling hooks. And if you had enough money, you could pay for decorations like a new figurehead, fancy sails, or a painted hull. Games like Sea of Thieves usually have three types of ships. Sloops, brigantines, and galleons. This Zelda game would be no different. At any point in the game, the player would be able to buy a new ship similar to a registered horse in Breath of the Wild. And, as a finishing touch, the player would have their very own captain's quarters, which would serve as their home base for storing items and displaying trophies. And to be clear, the captain's quarters would be carried over between ship to ship, so even if you upgrade from a sloop to a galleon, your captain's quarters would be the exact same. Oh, and uh, if you have a Wind Waker Link Amiibo, it'll allow you to summon a King of Red Lions boat at will. Not that it'd be canon or anything. But this could be canon. Of course, with the new Zelda game comes the story and the plot of the game. For some, this could even make or break the game for them. Now, I could make this just as long as the section on island exploration, but instead, let's make this more brief than it probably could be. Otherwise, it would probably fill a whole separate video. I envision this plot being very similar to Wind Waker's in a lot of ways, and I really liked Wind Waker's story, so this wouldn't bother me personally one bit. But let me elaborate at least a little. 
Hyrule itself wouldn't be washed underneath the sea. I know this goes against almost everything on the timeline, so again, this is a very rushed and unthought out part of the plot, but Hyrule could be one of the larger islands in the map, and the rest could be known as the Ocean of Hyrule. Hyrule Castle could be one of these islands and would be a miniature, more designed to fit the pirate theme, version of Twilight Princess's Hyrule Castle. The plot would be one of mostly helping the King of Hyrule, as he tells Link, one of the apprentice engineers, as his role in Spirit Tracks was, that his precious daughter Zelda has been taken in the night, and it is said that she was being taken underwater with an air tank of course. While this plot would be linear in a sense, the goal here is still similar to Wind Waker, get to underneath the ocean. And I even envision a massive village full of monsters with cute little helmets on, housed right underneath the ocean. And as Link progresses through the dungeons, at the end of each and every dungeon is a part of an oxygen tank and other water breathing apparatus. When all dungeons have been found and you're on your way to the monster village, you can see that there's even more stuff underneath the ocean. And right there is some end game content for you to run through as well, giving the game even more of a reason to play after finishing the main story. Of course, these side quests would also contribute considerably to the story, giving their own backstories, aspirations, and really having their own characterization whenever you talk to them. This also gives you an even bigger reason to do side quests, so that you can really experience every nook and cranny of the story. I mean, what if this underwater Gandalf had worked with one of our jolly sailors before, and he has some insight to share with us? I think there's a ton of ways that they could run with this, and I'd love to see this toyed around with. Unfortunately though, here comes the end of the probable plot, so it's with regret that I must say, it's time for us to depart on our next voyage. Thank you for watching, you scurvy landlubbers, and thanks again to the Bread Pirate for joining us. Hey, don't mention it, Captain. Please go and check out the Bread Pirate's channel in the description if you want to check out some content that isn't that similar to my own, and I may even appear on his channel soon. As usual, we both thank you so much for watching. If you did enjoy, then please do like the video and subscribe. And of course, comment down below what you would personally like in a pirate-themed Zelda game. On screen are the scurviest pirates in the land. And me right-hand man, Sumji, is especially scurvy for being the highest doubloon-paying patron. So if you'd like to stop being a landlubber and join me crew, then you can support me on Patreon for as little as £1 or $1.50 a month. The link for that is in my description, along with the links to my Discord, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. So if you'd like to keep up with me, then you can do so there. Now, thank you for listening to that episode. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. And don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, of course. There's loads of Zelda content waiting for you. Just search Triforce Trends. Thank you for listening.